Alright, are you guys ready? We're gonna hear the world premiere of the Hardy and Sons theme song and just a fantastic uh, energetic entrance to the stage. Cool? Here we go. I think they cheered over the yeah, theme song. Yeah, I don't think song. they heard the <laughs> Did you guys play it again? hear it? Yeah. Okay, good. You can hear it? Play it again? Yeah, play it again. But, oh, Let's you play it hear again. This thing. Let's go wild. That's for Dan. Song. Thank you, Dan. Woo! Woo! Yeah, for Dan. Dan. Hell yeah, Dan. So it's been a long journey to get to this point. We thank you all for coming on it with us every step of the way. Uh, this is really exciting. Uh, quick background note about the Hardy and Sons, or about the Hardy Boys. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, the Hardy Boys were written in like the 20s and 30s. This is an original copy. Um, but they rewrote them all in 1959 with these classic blue ones that you may have seen. Uh, and they rewrote them in 1959 because they were too racist. Uh, by 1959 standards. And we, we've yet to read this guy, but we're excited to see. But what we've read is that they were too racist... Towards Italians. Towards Italians. <laughs> And so, unfortunately, absent from the final chapter was Tony Preto. Yes. There, there's, there's like a few characters, if you follow the book, obviously, as you all do, like Rock, Rocco, who runs the fruit shop, Tony Preto. There's a few Italian characters who we always like approach with a little like, oh, I wonder how bad they got it in the first one. How bad they'd have to tone it down. But uh, show of hands... Uh, who hasn't read any of the book or listened to any of the episodes so far? Don't be shy. Show hands. Everyone has read the book. Oh, I'm sorry. By show of hands, I mean clap. Sorry. By round of applause, clap. We can't see anything. Okay, cool. Nobody. That makes this easier. Do you want to give like a quick summary of how we got to this point? Like, what is the book? What happened? Oh, a, a bunch of stuff happened. <laughs> Everybody good? How do we break it down? Like, yeah. I get it. It's a bunch of boys, you know? They're just boys being boys. Some jewels get stolen. Some cars get stolen. They do some searching. They have some lunch. They have a lot of lunch. <laughs> yeah. A disproportionate amount of time is spent on lunches. I feel like the oh, yeah. details we, we get of some the lunches sandwiches. in this last chapter if you guys are waiting oh, for yeah. it. If you thought they weren't going to talk about sandwiches during the climax of the book, you're wrong. And their mom makes great chicken sandwiches, <laughs> yeah. too. That's, that's a known fact. Thank you for the Roxanne, Dane, by the way. <laughs> um, so when we last left them, so it, I guess to give the, the quick overview, so Chet's car was stolen. They had a friend whose car was stolen, and the guy looked like he had a red wig on. And then, like, this guy did other stuff. So they, they went to New York, and they asked the New York police, like, hey, search your files for people with red hair. 
and they found a guy named Red Jackley. Yeah. Who, who commits crimes notoriously wearing red wigs. Yes, he's, he's known for red-wigged crimes. And then, and then they just 100% are like, this is our guy. And they chase him until he dies. Yeah. Is that, that's that's, yeah. that's yeah. what happens. They basically hunt him down. Yeah, like they chase, chase him. him along a railroad yeah. track and he like falls off. He goes into a coma and then they drug him up and they actually kind of like beat a confession out of him. The way he died, they're chasing him through a train yard, as you guys all know. And uh, he hops on a hand car, like one of those train cars with like the big handle that you crank. And when he hops on this, everyone chasing him is like, oh, he got away. <laughs> and, like, and I don't, like I've seen movies, they don't seem that fast, but I guess it broke everyone's spirits. But he was going then so fast on this thing that it went off the tracks and he sustained injuries that he did not recover from. Um, and they were excited about that. Well, yeah. So yeah, the Hardy Boys... Uh, they didn't care that this man was hurt. Uh, they actually rejoiced when he died, which was <laughs> several times. kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so this guy, as he's dying, says, like, they do the thing where they're interrogating him, and they just give him all the details and ask, like, did you do that? Like, they never ask, like, can you give us any details we haven't told you? Like, there was never, like, the gotcha, like, we never said it was Jules. Yeah. Like, they said everything. They said absolutely everything. And then with his last breath, he's like, yeah, it was me. That was me. <laughs> and, uh, and still, so this millionaire heard Applegate, that's H-U-R-D, Applegate, uh, turd with an H. Thank you, Brett. Um, who the narrator seems to be obsessed with because every time he talks, it's like Heard Applegate himself said. Heard Applegate <laughs> himself opened the door. Some esteem is associated there. But uh, Heard Applegate accuses the boy's friend, Slim Robinson, Mr. Robinson, Slim Robinson's dad, who was a caretaker at the mansion when everything was stolen. Uh, and even though they get this like bulletproof confession from Red Jackley on his deathbed, uh, Heard Applegate was like, no, it's Mr. Robinson. So he has Mr. Robinson sent to jail. Slim Robinson has to drop out of high school. They move to the Italian neighborhood. Like, things aren't good for the Robinsons. And the Hardy Boys still continue to, like, lazily solve clues in their spare time. Not more than one a week, yeah. it seems. They do a lot of time listening to the ground for footsteps receding. Um, again, sandwiches. A lot and they of see sandwiches, a, a lot of picnics. And they see a yeah, play in New York. Yeah, they see a play. Yeah. Really, really, like, dedicated detectives. Absolutely. Um, between this book and the next book, which you're all excited about, we are talking to a retired City of St. Louis uh, police detective to see whether or not their methods are indeed real <laughs> detective methods and to see if technology and methods have evolved over the past 100 years into something more modern. We'll see. I'm excited to find out. Yeah, it's going to be a great episode. But uh, yeah, the, the, the crux of the book turned out to be like, as the Robinsons fell into hardship, dad lost his job, son had to drop out of high school, they moved again to the Italian neighborhood, like things weren't good. Uh, and they like had no sense of urgency about exonerating this guy. And like they kept saying like, you know, he had to drop out of high school. Slim Robinson, top 10 in the class. Like, good student. And yet, like, now the whole family's just, like, it's all gone to hell. It's, it's in awful shape. And every time that the boys are, like, at baseball practice, saying, like, oh, we're going to solve this thing, we were just like, 
leave baseball practice. Like yeah, your go friends, solve this case. their lives are wasting away in the Italian neighborhood. Yeah. Stop, <laughs> stop going to baseball practice. So where we find the boys is that uh, Red Jackley's dying words were, it's in the old tower. Uh, they like wrote out the ellipses and like the grunt uh, in the book. But uh, so they find this old water tower by a train track and they climb inside. They find the jewels and securities. What are securities? Did we ever figure that out? No. Stocks. What? Stocks. Stocks. How is bonds. that represented? Yeah, bonds. It was bonds. And if you lose the piece of paper, you just don't. Like if someone steals your, your piece of paper, do they get all your money too? Okay. There we go. Back when Italians couldn't buy stocks. <laughs> Got it. So when, when we last left them in Chapter 19, the boys had climbed inside this water tower, found the jewels and securities. Rejoiced and for a, over a minute. Full minute of rejoicing. They were explicit about that timeline. Uh, and then Hobo Johnny... And I'm going to go I'm going to go back to ch- chapter 19 just for a second so that you know like it's not us being judgmental. Uh in the end of chapter 19 as they're about to leave the water tower, uh this guy, you know, peers down the little trap door from above them and says, you know, "Halt. Who are you?" They call me Hobo Johnny. That's his own introduction. Is just Hobo Johnny. Um, and so then Hobo Johnny slams the door to the top of the water Locks tower. Locks him in there. The Hardy leaves. Boys are stuck in a water Cliffhanger. tower. Cliffhanger. So that's how chapter 19 ends. And then we open chapter 20, titled The Escape. And you can guess what happens. <laughs> Actually, all of the chapters before this were horribly mistitled and like whatever they like the name of the chapter didn't actually happen at all like there was a chapter called the hold up no hold up no guns no anything so we were we were skeptical with the escape that there would actually be an escape but here we are welcome is that enough is everyone there does everyone understand so everyone now up? Yeah. Good. Yeah. big hearty yeah. round of applause hearty Round of applause. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that was a good joke. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Chapter 20. The Escape. Let us out of here! Frank shouted at Hobo Johnny. And at this time, the the door is like, Hobo Johnny's gone. He's on the other side of the door. And, like, they're negotiating skill. Like, you can't get away with this, Joe yelled, is the next line. Which he just did. Yeah. yeah. He literally just got away with just it. just got away with it. But Hobo Johnny uh, gave a loud And hang on. Guffaw. Again, I know he introduced himself that way, oh, yeah. but this is, again, the narrator showing some bias, so, showing a little judgment. Like, you could just call him John. Yeah, I know. At this point, we, we know who he we is. We get that he's struggling with homelessness <laughs> right now. Well, he invested in a bunch of crowbars, time. and then crowbar <laughs> oh stock went downhill. <laughs> So he's on top of this thing, and uh, Hobo Johnny says, you know, well, I got enough brains to know I'm well off. I ain't in no hurry to collect that treasure you found in the tower. A few days from now will be all right for me to sell it. And so... uh, So they're going to be in there for a few days. Yeah, that's the plan right now. And then Hobo Johnny, in just a brilliant criminal episode, says, okay, I'm leaving you now. But I'll be back for the treasure. Don't try any funny stuff or you'll get hurt. And then he leaves. 
The boys wait a couple minutes and then, I mean, we could go into how, but then they leave. Yeah. They're out of the water tower. (laughs) Which is like the whole book is these situations where like it could be super tense. It could be super exciting. And like instantly it's just like, but no. Yeah. Like there's, there's honestly like eight different sentences where like the Hardy Boys search proved fruitless. Like, that's the name of the book, essentially, of, like, the Hardy Boys well, are bad detectives. They also talked about, like, a cool way of getting out of this water tower, and they're like, yeah, we can get one of these crowbars and just start busting through the side of this place. But in the end, they just stand on each other's shoulders and climb out. <laughs> like, you just promised me some crowbar, like, demolishment. Stand on your brother's shoulder. Come um, on. The narrator here offers, as they're figuring this out, finally, Frank decided, since the tramp had said he would return in an hour, which he never said that. Oh, yeah, that's true. He just said, I'll be back. I'll be back, yeah. Um, He must be planning to go some distance away, and this is why he can escape. Uh, And again, this is the narrator. Perhaps to get a couple of his hobo friends to come back and help him. (laughs) So, yeah, we get... It's things like that that make me think, like, that made the rewrite? (laughs) They were cool with hobo friends. <laughs> it was 1959. How many people live in this town, too? Uh, Bayport is a town of 30,000? 30, 30,000, yeah. Yeah. I think we established that in the beginning. And we started, like, searching for what are towns that have 30,000, because Bayport has five wig shops. Yeah. And it's a town of 30,000, and, like, St. Louis is, what, a million people? And we've got, like, two wig shops. Yeah. So... <laughs> There's secret whip shots. Good point. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's the whole first half of the chapter. I mean, we could go into the... Yeah, they get out, and then they decide to divide up the jewels, because it's easier to carry that way, since this burlap sack is so heavy. And they got deep pockets, so yeah, he gives his brother of... half the jewels, the other one takes half the jewels, and they ride off on motorcycles. In the beginning of the book, they also had, like, important legal papers, and they were like, Frank put them in his jacket pocket. Yeah. And I don't know what jackets were like in the 20s or in 59, but I don't think you can fit a whole piece of paper in it. And here they go with, he opened the sack, handed, the jo- handed Joe the bundle of securities, which the boy jammed into his pocket. Um, quick question to someone who knows what securities are. Was that my mother? Yeah. Yeah. If securities are so, like, if this piece of paper is so valuable that whoever has it has all the money... Do you think that jamming it into your pocket is like a good way to transport it? It's better than um, just not jamming it in your pocket and risking a hobo grabbing it. In your pocket. That's true. That's, that's good. Yeah. I forgot. They I got hobo friends. There's too, an that army of out. hobo yeah. friends yeah. descending yeah. on the water tower. Hobos aren't what they used to be. <laughs> Make hobos great again. Um, the so they, they head back to the mansion, and I guess we didn't talk about the boy's father, but people here probably know. The great Fenton Hardy? Everybody, Round of applause? Everybody, everybody knows the great Fenton, Fenton Hardy. Hardy. Show, yeah. Round of applause. Don't yes. show your hands. We can't see anything. The great Fenton Hardy, world-renowned detective, which we posed this question before, which is a question I stole from someone before, but does anyone know a famous detective? Dozens. 
a non-television, like, this whole book is predicated upon, like, Fenton Hardy the detective gets into, like, free opera tickets, like, backstage passes, people open up their doors after hours. Yeah, the people at the wig shop who he was. Fenton Hardy. Ooh. Right this way, sir. Madonna's bodyguard? (laughs) Take your word on that. That's probably right. So they go back, and and the, the whole book, they've been, like, craving... Their father's approval. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> How old are they? Uh, 18. And they sleep in the same bed together. Yeah, and they shower together, and their mother still brown bags their lunches. <laughs> there was a scene earlier in the book where, like, they had to wait for something, and they were like, Your mother has an errand to ask you to do. And then, like, the book wrote, like, well, they did the errand, and then they were able to go to this other place. And, like, they didn't say what the errand was. It was really weird that they were like, oh, do an errand. And, like, there were no details there. But they do offer the details constantly of, like, the boys were talking as they undressed. (laughs) You... You've clearly chosen not to be specific. You don't... Like, why give us that detail? Um, So that's the relationship we're working with, of these two 17- and 18-year-old high schoolers who just crave their father's approval. Uh, Does anyone here have an 18-year-old? Okay, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There's a yes from over there? Do they worship you in this way? Is anyone here alive in the 20s? Just trying to get an idea <laughs> family dynamics around then. Uh, but yeah, so, so, so they go home and they, they reveal that they have solved the crime. And I, I wrote in the margin, no, they didn't. Yeah, they just found the jewels. They haven't solved anything. Yeah, this means, uh, I'm, I'm skipping ahead here quite a bit, but they're talking to Slim Robinson in a little bit and he's like, this means that my father is completely exonerated. No. No, it doesn't. Because your father was arrested because they thought he was partnering with the criminal who yeah. confessed to hiding him there. He could have easily hired those hobos. <laughs> Get those hobo jury, you're done. We're getting very thirsty yeah. up here. Uh, so the, the book ends up, like, we were worried as we did this podcast that, like, chapter 20 was going to be nothing. Like, there would be no action. And since we committed a long time ago to, like, chapter 20 being the live episode that you've all been waiting for, that there would be not Like, it would, like, you know, peak in chapter 19. But it didn't. But it, it peaked in, like, the first page of chapter 20. Like, it's over yeah, and done. Yeah, we got everything. And now we're in, that. like, the, well, let's tell everybody phase. Which is weird. They're 18, and they just want to tell everyone. They call up everyone on the phones. They call up Chet Morton. Uh, if you guys don't know who Chet is, he was the one who got his car stolen. Jalopy. Yeah, yeah the jalopy. jalopy. Thank you, Brett. He's um, also overweight, and it's not important for us to tell you that, but every time he comes up in the book, they're like, their stout friend. Their stout friend, Chet Morton, was just finishing breakfast. So, so they all get together back at uh, Fenton Hardy's house, the Hardy Boys' house. Um, and uh, let's see here. Sorry. I'm trying to find my place here. Uh, they also decide there's another detective in this book competing with the Hardys named Oscar's Muff. And Oscar's Muff... 
is a bad detective. And again, with like the narrator's bias, you all right? <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you. <laughs> Oscar Smuff is a bad detective who like keeps appearing and the narrator hates him. Like he's always, like there's these sentences where like the befuddled detective, like yeah. it, he's not given a fair shake at all. But as they get back, they're, they're trying to have this big meeting at the Applegate Mansion, the Tower Mansion to like, put all this on the table and say, hey, we found everything, mystery solved, it's all over, Mr. Robinson, you're free. They're like coordinating this big thing. And one of the voices is like, we should have asked Oscar Smuff there, just to rub it to in To rub face. it in, yeah. 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 <laughs> just, I mean, that's like the one, th- well, it's like the hundredth thing in the book to remind me like, yeah, they're teenagers. Well, yeah, as a they're teenager, you really people. want to rub it into Oscar's muff. Yeah. <laughs> Who, in, in chapter 19... Well done, sir. Well done. In chapter 19, just before they were crawling into the water tower, Oscar's muff, like, drove up on the road and, like, was trying to ask them for a favor... And it's a weird situation because we're like, this is like a 50-year-old guy who's chasing high schoolers yeah. like out into the country to be like, hey, help me with a case. Like, come on an adventure with me. And like, now that's, that's a misdemeanor. That's, that's like actually illegal. But this was the 20s. And then it was okay in 1959 still. So... <laughs> So they decide they want to rub it in Oscar's face. <laughs> Grow up. Um, so they decide that they found it, and like there's a there's a one thousand dollar reward for finding these jewels and securities that were stolen. Uh, but after they find them, they they say our dad, he was hired to find them. He should yeah, present he... them to Turd Applegate. Yeah, he should give the jewels to them. He was the first one brought onto the case, even yeah. though he did nothing. But he says, like, no, no, no. You boys should do it. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's proud of his boys. Yeah. That's yeah. a good parental relationship. Yeah. I appreciate that. Hey, thanks, Dad. <laughs> there have been a lack of voices so yeah, far I this know. episode. And we're sorry about that. For big fans of the podcast, we know you love the voices. So they also, uh, how about Chief Colleague? We should have Chief Colleague come to this reveal party that they're planning. Yeah. Uh, they basically bring on everyone, but anyone with an Italian name, yeah. to go to this reveal party. All non-Italians <laughs> invited. It's all of their friends, minus Tony Preto. <laughs> <laughs> Rocco is also absent. Rocco's gone, yeah. But, <laughs> but they did set a fire in Rocco's store beforehand. <laughs> yes, to distract Oscar's mom. Yeah. You guys should really read this book. It's just a fantastic <laughs> piece of literature. So, uh, so then they also say, uh, and we'll invite the Robinsons to hear the announcement. And this is like the ninth person they've brought up. And this is like yeah. the theme we keep coming back to of like, how is this not your priority? This is the family that's living in the well, Italian neighborhood. they should have already like, called them and been like, hey, uh, we found it and uh, your husband's good. He's clear. Yeah, you can get your job back. Yeah. Get out of the Italian district. You go can, back home. You can undrop out of school. He went to work in the grocery business, which, as anyone knows, is just a fool's errand. <laughs> and and they, so, so they invite the Robinsons, and the book has this weird tone here, 
Where so uh, I'm going to read for a second if you don't mind. Bottom, yes. bottom of 174 is where I'm at. Oh. The detective said he thought there should be a grand meeting at the Applegates' home of everyone involved with the tower mystery, like we said. Uh, he suggested that when the boys called up, they try to arrange such a meeting for that very evening, which I think is keen. That's a good idea. They're, again, people's lives are at stake here. Her, uh, Mr. Robinson can't get a real job because he's been accused of this crime, which right. he apparently didn't commit. So the next paragraph... Frank was selected to make the report to Herd Applegate. The others could hear the elderly man exclaim in, in amazement, I didn't think you'd do it, he said over and over again. I, I could have done a voice there. Yeah, you're, you're not doing a good job That's here. Do me. the voice. That's on me. Uh, <laughs> we'll put in the voices later, yeah. Uh, so, like, shouting for his sister, he relayed the message, then said, Adalia wants me to tell you that she's the most relieved woman in all of Bayport. She's never did like any of this business. <laughs> yeah! Duh! Who likes getting their stuff stolen? Yeah, they've been, like, recluses for 40 years, yeah. and now they're in every paper. But all, all this happened, like, everything is coming to this, like, giant reveal. But then two paragraphs later... Uh, here we go. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, Frank, <laughs> Frank declared at supper. Why are you eating? Why yeah, did you st- again? Yeah. Like you've solved the case, you can move on and exonerate people, and you've stopped once again for a good sit-down meal. Classic Hardies. <laughs> Classic Hardies. Where are we at? What notes you got? Uh, not that many, here. yeah, yeah. I just got uh, so. Then afterwards, they're like, "Oh, we should uh, we should call Chet. He should be there." Uh, they called Chet, and he gave out a whoop of delight. <laughs> and then a here's whoop. that. There's a whole one whoop. There's one <laughs> a whole whooping. There's one more person we ought to uh, that ought to attend. Frank said with a twinkle in his eye, Oscar's muff. I'd, wants, like, I'd, I'd like, like to, to watch, watch his face. <laughs> I'd like to watch his face too. <laughs> I'm an 18-year-old, and I'd like to look at a 50-year-old man's face. <laughs> These are the facts of the case, and they are undisputed. <laughs> so then we've got the meeting. Yes. We're here at the meeting, uh, and it's it, like people are crying, obviously. Uh, the Hardy family walked in and found the Robinsons all there. Um, actually, a paragraph before that, Frank waited until his father had phoned Chief Colleague, who promised to release Mr. Robinson at once. This is after dinner. <laughs> this is a phone call he had to make to the police chief to be like, hey, release this innocent guy from yeah. prison. And he was like, ah, I'm just a little hungry, guys. <laughs> this phone call is going to be easier on a full stomach. <laughs> The Italian neighborhood's not that bad. I've been there. <laughs> they got great food. The two. Uh, yeah, so, so they have this giant meeting. There were tears in Mr. Robinson's wife's eyes, and her voice trembled as she added her appreciation for what the Hardy boys had done. You'll never know what this means to us, she said. And I wrote, like, yeah, clearly they don't know because they kept eating meals instead of actually helping your family. There was never, like, a... They, they don't know how big of a deal it was to have your father. I mean, their father dresses up like a pirate. 
Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a classic their cross fa- to bear. Oh, thank you. oh cheers. Thank My you. Man. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, so they're at this... Uh, Is that a guy named Brock? That's Brock, yeah. Hey, Brock. We've never met before, except right out there. I appreciate the water. Thank you. <laughs> so they're at this big reveal party, uh, and here comes one of my favorite things. So earlier on in chapter, like, five, when Mr. Robinson is being questioned, um, he randomly got $900 and wouldn't tell anyone where he got it from. And the police were like, hey, we're going to arrest you if you don't tell us where you got this $900. And he's like, listen, I'm not going to tell you, Yes, but like, I got it legally. This is the day... <laughs> this is the day that, like... $400,000 worth of jewels and securities were yeah. taken. He also admitted he to knowing the combination to the safe. He's like, hey, I didn't, I didn't steal anything. I know the combination. I saw it on a piece of paper that flew out the window. But, but I didn't story. take it. Actual paragraph from the book. And, <laughs> and he tells Mr. Hardy, he's like, I know the combination. And if I knew the combination and I did steal it, would I tell you I knew the combination? would I tell you I know the combination? Yeah. And Mr. Hardy's like... That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're innocent. That's good with me. Like anytime there's reverse psychology in this book, it just 100% works on Fenton Hardy. Where yeah. It's like like with the whole confession, like why would he lie? He's a, like a convicted thief for years on his deathbed claims one more. He's on morphine. Like, why would he lie about that? Yeah. He has to be guilty. No one what does he have to gain by lying about that? <laughs> He's a thief. That's like <laughs> he's Notoriety, a criminal. Baby. Yeah. yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> but and this whole time we were hoping it would be Herd Applegate's sister. Like the whole time we're reading this book, we wanted inside job. Adelia Applegate stole the securities. And it's awesome. And it, it never happened. No. Like each clue as it gets like it's written in a way where it's like, you know, this confession, and then they find this little thing, and the whole time you can hold on to this doubt of like. This is an inside job. This thing stinks. Yeah. And it turns out that Adelia's crime was she lent $900 to Mr. Robinson and sort of just sowed the seeds of doubt that put him in jail. Which is wrong because she was there as he got arrested. And she was like, well, I could have spoke up and said like, oh, well, he actually got the 900 from me. But she was nervous. She didn't trust the situation. Maybe he did steal the, uh, the jewels. So she didn't speak up, and this man got arrested and forced to live in the Italian neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> it's worse than Detroit. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, like, I, I wrote here, like, why did she lie? Like, what a yeah. dumb thing. Like, when there's this whole, like, mystery happening in your door, like, why stop to be like, well, I'm just going to throw this guy under the bus. Let him go to jail. Let his family yeah. move to the Italian neighborhood and just leave him for dead because right. I don't want to say, I don't want to tell my brother that I lent him $900. And it was her money, too. She can do whatever she wants with her money. That's right. Well, for those of you not familiar with the book, uh, women don't have any power. <laughs> we rejoiced when a woman, I forgot even what the chapter was, but there was like a woman who wasn't cooking. And that was the first time, like, a girl had been mentioned, like, not holding food or not... Yeah, cleaning or cooking or... Yeah. So, uh, I get... I, I guess I get that $900 would raise questions in 1929. Yeah. And that's okay also in 1959. <laughs> um, so, we end up with, with this... this Everyone's happy The, the Mr. Robinson is uh, exonerated. And then Mr. Applegate says, like, we're going to donate some of our land. 
We got this big property. We got this huge... We own the Tower Mansion. The whole thing with the pond on it? Public park. And everyone's like, great. Great. But please don't talk to the... Like, you're weird. You're weird and we don't want you to interact with people. And then he's like, hey, I haven't finished. I'm also going to hire Mr. Robinson again and build him a greenhouse. He's a flowersman. And... They asked, like, there's a gasp from everyone in the room. All eyes were turned on Mr. Robinson. Slowly, he arose from his chair, walked over to Mr. Applegate. I don't know where we're at. (laughs) (laughs) No hard feelings, he said. I'll be happy to have my old position back. And with the new greenhouse... I'm sure I'll win a lot of blue ribbons for you. <laughs> this man just framed you for stealing. <laughs> Ruined you your life. Ribbons? Affected your network worth for years to come. And you're like, yeah. Your child quit Greenhouse, school. huh? <laughs> your child went into the grocery business. It's awful. But whatever, no hard feelings. So... One more item of business. The reward. The $1,000 goes to Frank and Joe Hardy, who solved the mystery of the Tower Treasure. And again, no, they didn't. I <laughs> know, yeah, it's, it's not wrapped up. They didn't, they found a, a, a Hobo Johnny's jewels yeah. and took it back. A uh, thousand bucks, exclaimed Detectives Muff. Dollars, Mr. Muff, Dollars. No slang, please. Not in the Tower Mansion. (laughs) One thousand iron men. One thousand round, fat, juicy smackers. Smuff continued, (laughs) unheeding. For two high school boys and a real detective like me. Uh, And then Oscar Smuff dropped his head into his hands and groaned aloud. And then, yes, $1,000, says Hurt Applegate, 500 to each boy, which I think is bold. I don't know what laws were back then, but if you're 17 and 18 and your parents are in the room, you just give the money to the parents, right? You don't... They're grown men at this, at this point. And like 1920s, $500 is like... That's a lot of money. It's like a million dollars now. Yeah. Does anyone yeah. know the conversion on that? Yeah, it's a million, lot. A million five. A million five. Thank you. <laughs> So 500 for each boy. He took the two checks from a pocket and handed one each to Frank and Joe. How did he already have two checks? Why are these already in his pocket? Just, are they already made out to them, too? It looks like he just handed, he just handed to him. You're right. Frank and Joe, who accepted them with thanks. Seems like this was... I don't know. It's a little weird. But Here we Mr. Go. Applegate... Go ahead. Mr. Applegate now invited his guests into the dining room for sandwiches, cake, and cold drinks. Which means milk. He likes milk. Mr. Applegate's a milkman. Uh, And then we get this fantastic paragraph, which switches tenses. This is our second to last paragraph in the book. As Frank and Joe ate, they were congratulated over and over by others in the room. They accepted it all with a grin, but secretly, each boy had a little feeling of sadness that the case had ended. They hoped another mystery would soon come their way. And one did at, and then this is in bold, The House on the Cliff, which is the second book. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, I mean, it's kind of like foreshadowing, but also like written in the past tense. So I don't really understand what's happening here. Um, but later, Mr. Hardy asks, what are you fellas going to do with all that money? Frank replied with an instant answer, put most of it in the bank. And Joe added... Hang on, I just can't relate to that at all. Like, as a 17 or 18-year-old, like, that's the last thing that I feel like I would have done with it. But they had free motorcycles. I forget that's that. That's very true, they had yeah. a gymnasium. They've got a whole life. Uh, Joe added... Oh, uh, where are we? Oh, Frank and I, for some time, have wanted to build a crime lab on the second floor of our barn. Now we can do it. All right, Dad? <laughs> this is awesome. That's what I would do if I got a bunch of money. Also, this is 1920-something. What is a what crime consists lab? of a crime lab? <laughs> they got wig drawers. Just a, a, a chalkboard to write your hunch on and a pirate costume. That's the whole thing. And then Fenton Hardy, the detective, smiled and nodded. An excellent idea. And that's it. That's how it ends. That's the whole thing. That's chapter 20. By the way, $500 is $7,346. Now split that two ways. No, that's $500. That's five. That is. Oh, add it. $500. Yeah. I wish. I'm drunk. I wish. I wish the Raider Quartet was still here Keith, that we could ask them, like, here. what would you do with $7,000 as a 17 year old? I mean, put it in the Well, bank. we're going to have to have him on the show. Put it in the Clearly. Bank. What's that? We're going to have to have him on the show. I think we should do like a deep dive, two-hour podcast discussion with Raider Quartet yeah. of what they would do with $500 of racist yeah. money. 500 Anglo-Saxon dollars. What's next, man? Yeah, I don't this know. This is it. We just finished the book. We came up with this idea for this podcast uh, at Joya's uh, Deli, and we were just like, hey, it'd be funny. Like, no one's done a Hardy Boys podcast. And then, like, two weeks later, we had a website and, like, three episodes. <laughs> and now we're here, man. Yeah, we did it. Can I ask you a We've personal... we done one book, yeah. Can I ask yeah. you a personal question? Yeah. What does it feel like to have made it? <laughs> Feels good. Yourself? I'm just trying to think of what I'm going to do with the $500. (laughs) Which is a great pivot. Patreon. (laughs) So we're going to start the next book here in a couple weeks. Uh, In the meantime, we have the original uh, copy of the book, the racist one, that we're going (laughs) to... It's like longer than this book. It's got more chapters, but some of the chapters have the same name, so I don't know what they cut out uh, other than the racist stuff. Yeah. But we're going to do an episode where we compare the old version to the new version, a couple chapter-by-chapter comparisons. We're going to talk to a detective. We may talk to a 17-year-old to find out how they would go about solving a mystery, given the opportunity. Yeah. And then we're going to start chapter or book two. Book two. The The House on the Cliff. The House on the Cliff, yeah. House on the cliff. Thank you, everybody, for coming. This was just awesome. (laughs) And 
And we couldn't have done it without you. Q and A. Q and A. Oh, who's who's got questions? Look your Instagram. Oh, we have we have questions on Instagram. Oh, we have to go through this. Yeah. Does anyone have a question not on Instagram? Does anyone not have Instagram? That's a favorite great character. Question. Thank you, Keith. Great character. Great, great question. <laughs> great question. Great question, Keith. It's Oscar Smuff talking. Smuff, no doubt about it. Yeah, I was actually upset. I thought Smuff was going to save the boys at the end. That he was going to bust into the uh, water tower, and he doesn't. To prove our dedication to the craft of this podcast, you had said before, like right before we started, rec- or before we got here tonight, you were like, "I have a feeling I know who's going to break him out," and we were like. Don't talk about it. Yeah. Save it for the podcast. Because that's what we do for you. <laughs> Just another free service we provide. Couple questions. What Nikes are you both wearing for the show? That's a it's great a good question. question. It's a great question. Yeah. I'm wearing some Air Forces. I, think. I have Air Jordans. I say Air Force, Air yeah. Super cool. How often does David wear the Brett shirt when podcasting? <laughs> so if you can't see... Uh, Oh yeah, Brett is wearing Brett is wearing the shirt that he's wearing in the oh. photo on David's <laughs> oh, that's shirt. Meta. <laughs> that's Inception right there. That's Damn. fantastic. Oh, I like that. This uh, is my second time wearing this shirt. Can Brett recreate the pose on stage with you next to you? Wearing the shirt? Let's move on to the next question. Yeah, I think that needs that. Next happen. question. Uh, when's the sister podcast with Nancy Drew coming out? Yeah. That's something we want to put on you guys. <laughs> You can borrow our microphones. You can borrow the recorder. You've got to buy your own books. But yeah, when you want to do the Nancy Drew, we'll do crossover episodes. We're not opposed to that. Is that all the questions? No. Do I have to speed read before tonight's finale? This is a question I want to pose to the audience. We try... Audience. We try... (laughs) (laughs) We try as we approach this to like... Not read the whole chapter. We were like, as we started, like, do we want to assume that they've read it and we don't have to like walk beat by beat through the story? Or do we want to sort of give the beats so that they don't have to read along? And that's where we sort of landed. But according to that applause at the beginning, everyone does read the book. (laughs) (laughs) They wait each week. They read the chapter Sunday night before bed. They listen to the podcast Monday Monday morning. They listen to it. Yep. And they all subscribe to Patreon. <laughs> all Patreon subscribers. Um, yeah. We have three Patreon subscribers. We'd like to recognize them real quick. Uh, Justin, we can't see anything Justin, whatsoever. come up here. Take a bow. Come on. Oh, yeah. Come on. Justin. Yeah. Bring him up. Yeah. Justin yeah. Tatalian. Yeah. Or, or not. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, yeah. A man is handsome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like it was just going to be a thing if we just had them all up here. Um, yeah. Jesse, you don't have to come up here if you don't want. Um, but Jesse is sitting over there, also yeah. a supporter. Thank you, Jesse. Um, our, our final uh, and the last question that we got on Instagram. <laughs> someone asked, "How do I start a podcast?" <laughs> and it's easy. You just have to have an idea and a good friend. And a microphone. Beautiful. Well said. And a, and a Nancy Drew book will get you started. Any other questions? That might be about it. Anything else out there? Yes. Um, do you, with the recent apology from the mayor of New Orleans for the 
Please, Sean. Please, David. Brett Hoy has the answer. <laughs> David, I'm going to let you take this one. <laughs> I, I think a, a fair yes, yes. Great question. Thank you so much. Anything else out there? Can I actually? So I anything else just out there at all? <laughs> come on, come on. Nothing. Well, thank you guys for coming out tonight. It's been an absolute blast. Uh, oh, question back here. Justin, what were Justin, you, you going to say, man? I, I, yeah, Justin. Yeah, Justin, let's hear it. Another round of applause for Justin, actually, Justin. if we could. <laughs> well, thank you, Justin. Yeah. It's insightful, <laughs> pivotal, dynamic. We love it. You know what I was thinking? What were you thinking? I don't know what I'm going to do while I wait to get to book two. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah.